Amen, amen. We'll go ahead and have a seat. And as you do, if you grab your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 9 this morning. Uh, Acts chapter 9. We're going to be continuing our series and our study through the book of Acts. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a hardback black one uh, somewhere right around you. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, you keep that. Uh, That is our gift to you. Uh, But this morning, we want our eyes on God's words. We want to see that these are not my words. These are not ours. These are just the, the words of the living God. And so as you turn there this morning, I just want to ask you a question. Um, Would you say your life has the marks of a Jesus follower? Does your life have the marks of a Jesus follower? Um, if I was to come to you and say, hey, I'm, I'm actually going to move you um, to a, a new city where you don't know anyone, uh, you have no connections, we're going we're gonna to pick you up, we're going to move you into that city, and uh, you're going to start to just get adjusted to life there. You're going to uh, find an apartment or a home, you're going to get to know your neighbors, you're going to find a job, begin to work. Uh, and I came back six months later, and I began to ask some of your uh, new coworkers, and I, I began to ask some of your uh, new neighbors, and, and I asked uh, some of your new friends in this community where you moved. I said, hey, is, is so-and-so, would you say that they're a Jesus follower? Would the people around you know by the things that you say and the things that you do that you follow Jesus? Even now, if I went up to some of your coworkers currently and, and neighbors and friends and 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 I asked, hey, is so-and-so a Jesus follower? Would they know? That's what we're going to wrestle with this morning. As we continue our study in the book of Acts, we're, we're going to keep looking at the life of a man named Saul. And if you were here last week, we got to see this like radical conversion, radical transformation in the life of Saul. Uh, Saul was at one time an, an enemy of God. He was, he was actually like persecuting the church. Uh, he had set out to destroy the church, and, and on his way to a city called Damascus, God uh, meets him. He has this encounter with God, and boom, is just put flat on his back by the grace of Jesus. And he's, he said, we said last week, he's made a brand new creation. Like the old is gone, the new has come. And now, as we continue to look at the life of Saul, we're going to start to see some of the ways that this like brand new life on the inside starts to work its way out in his life. And so uh, we're going to talk about four marks of the brand new life. What does this new life in Christ look like? How does it start to impact the way that we live? And then we're going to wrestle through together. How do we live this kind of life? Four marks of the brand new life. And then how do we, how do we live this way? And so as we get started, let me pray for us. And then we're going to jump into God's word together. But let's go before him in prayer this morning. Father, Lord, we come before you and we thank you that um, we can approach you and we can call you Father. God, you're a a good Father who um, you want to come and meet with with us this morning through your word. And so I pray, God, that you would do that. I pray that your spirit would grip our hearts. I pray that your spirit would um, meet us here through um, through the preaching of your word. God, would you give us eyes to see? Would you give us ears to hear from you this morning? And God, I I pray that you would keep me out of the way. I pray that the the messenger would be nothing this morning and the message would be everything in such a way that um, you are lifted high here this morning. And so God, um, I just pray that you would do a mighty work. Draw us close to yourself. Renew a sense of awe, renew a sense of passion, and renew um, a sense of love for you this morning through your word. And so God, do that all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. All right, Acts chapter 9. We're going to pick it up in kind of the second half of verse 19. And so Acts 9, starting in verse 19. Remember, Saul has just had his life radically changed by the good news message of Jesus. And we're going to start to see what happens here. So for some days, he was with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately, he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And so what we see happen here in the life of Saul is, is he's made this brand new creation in Christ. The old has gone, the new has come, and it says he starts hanging out with these other Jesus followers in the city of Damascus. And then it's interesting, we see that he starts taking classes on evangelism and starts getting trained on evangelism and, and waits till like the perfect opportunity to share his faith. And No, what does the text say? Verse 20 says, and, come on, and immediately. There's no delay for Saul here. He's met Jesus. Jesus has met him and boom, he's like, I have to talk about it. What Jesus has done inwardly in the life of Saul, he can't contain outwardly. He's like, I've got to tell you about this Jesus. I actually at one time, like I hated him and I I persecuted his followers and I threw him into prison and I actually oversaw some of these people getting murdered. But now... Like, Jesus forgave me of that. He's made my life new, and, and I, I just have to tell you, there's like this joy overflowing out of him. Jesus has dropped the stick of dynamite called his grace into the life of Saul, and now he's just like, I can't help but share the good news of Jesus. Four marks of the brand new life. The first one is this. You can't keep silent about Jesus. Four marks of the brand new life. You can't keep silent about Jesus. And if you've been with us for any uh, amount of time here as we've been walking through the book of Acts, this is not brand new information for us. Uh, We've seen time and time and time again, these Jesus followers, they just like can't help but talk about Jesus. They can't help but, but share the good news message of the gospel. It just like pours out of them. Um, we've said it in different ways throughout the last couple months. We've talked about looking for gospel opportunities in every area of life. We've talked about us as gospel carriers. Wherever we live, wherever we work, whoever we hang out with, we are gospel carriers. We've talked about showing and telling the gospel with our life. We've said it in a lot of different ways, but the reality is all throughout the book of Acts, you see these Jesus followers just overflow with the joy of the good news message of the gospel. They just like can't help but share. They can't help but talk about Jesus. And then for us as a church, we're in a season right now we're calling sent. Sent here, sent near, and sent far. And really one of the the main heartbeats of um, this season for us as a church is we want to see us as Jesus followers grow in the area of disciple making. Uh, Because the whole like go and make disciples is not for the varsity Christians. It's not for like the next level Christians. It's for all of us who call ourselves Jesus followers. And so so we want to see us grow in in this disciple making, in this boldness to share the gospel. And and in all of the focus on this over the last couple months, I don't know about you, but what can happen to me is like this whole evangelism, share the gospel thing, it starts to just feel like another thing to add to the list of things that I have to do. And for me, this can start to just feel like like a check the box thing. You know, like I wake up, I have a million things to do, and, and I'm sure not many of us in this room are looking to like add more things to the list of things we got to do. We're busy. We got lots going on. And then I, 
You're telling me I gotta add this whole like talk about Jesus. I gotta add that to my list. Oh, and it can just feel discouraging and it feels like where am I gonna find the time to do that? It can start to feel like this like legalistic check the box thing. But what I think is so interesting about these Jesus followers, what's so fascinating about Saul is it's not this legalistic like I have to. It's this I can't help but share Jesus. Like it just overflows out of them in their everyday life. And this is the kind of of gospel expression that Jesus is calling us to. This explosion of gospel joy out of us. When I think of this, I think of a, a specific example how many of you, um, when I say the triple rainbow guy, know what I'm talking about? Anybody? Okay, a couple. Not many of you. Oh, man, you guys are in for a treat this morning. So there was a guy years ago um, who made a YouTube video, and it, like, exploded uh, for a season. And so this guy was walking around uh, Yosemite National Park, and he's got a, a video camera with him, and all of a sudden he sees a full rainbow in the sky, and he just turns his camera on, and he loses his mind. And so we're going to see a little clip of this. Uh, so, so take a look at this triple rainbow guy. <laughs> Woo! Oh, wow! Woo! Yeah! Oh, my. Oh, my. And that goes on for three minutes. As we think about the brand new life, honestly, we ought to look more like the triple rainbow guy. As we see Jesus, we ought to be like, "Woo! yes, that's my savior. Like he rescued me. He saved me. He's transformed me. I got to tell you about him. He's better than all these other ways you're trying to live. You're trying to find happiness and fulfillment in this and this, and you're still empty. And that's because Jesus is the only one who can satisfy. I've got to tell you, woo! More of that for us as Jesus followers. Less of the legalistic, check-the-box kind of boldness in our faith and more of just this gospel overflow. But, but how do we get there? And I would tell you this morning, for, for fear of maybe sounding a bit over-simplistic, how do, we, how do we recapture this gospel joy? Because I think for many of us, we know we ought to share our faith, but honestly, it doesn't feel like Triple Rainbow Guy. It doesn't feel like this just like explosion of gospel joy. How do we get back to that? I would, I would tell you this morning, how do, we, how do we get back to this gospel joy? Be with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. Open his word and just like sit with the Lord and let him speak to you. Um, seek him in prayer. And, and when I say this, I mean more than just like an hour and a half on Sunday morning. I know uh, f- for me, I think of it this way. If, if I came up to you and I said, hey man, my marriage, I just don't have the passion and the joy that I used to have in my marriage. And you said, okay, well, tell me about that. I'd say, well, like my wife and I, like we, we live in the same house. We kind of interact a little bit here and there, but, um, but we really, we set aside Sunday mornings from 11 to like 12.15 and that's really when we talk. And then other than that, like, you know, 12.15 rolls around. I'm like, hey, it's lunchtime. I'm really hungry. I gotta go. Um, we'll talk again next Sunday. You look at me and go, well, no wonder you lost the passion and joy. You don't talk to your wife. Go talk to your wife and talk to her more than an hour and a half in a week. And yet we often do the same with Jesus. 
We kind of check in with them on Sunday mornings. Church is over. We kind of check out. And we go throughout our week. And yeah, we might think about them. We might, but like, we don't sit and just spend quality time with our Savior. And if you're sitting here going like, I'm missing that gospel joy. The challenge for us, the challenge for you, the challenge for me, go be with Jesus. And let him renew a sense of awe and wonder within you. And this is what we see in the life of Saul. Saul can't keep it in. He just proclaims Jesus wherever he goes now. And now we, we get to see as he begins to like proclaim Jesus, we get to see these different reactions to the gospel message. And so back in Acts, Saul is just proclaiming Jesus. And now let's see how people begin to respond. Pick it up in verse 21. And all who heard him, all who heard Saul, were amazed and said, is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem? of those who called upon his name. And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength, and he confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him, but his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall. And lowering him in a basket. Okay, so we see Saul here. He, he can't keep from sharing about Jesus. And as he does, we, we start to see these different reactions to the gospel message. And the first one we see is found in verse 21. It says the people were, what's the word? Amazed. There's this like amazement. They're going, what? This is crazy. Like, hey, hey, isn't this the guy who was just going insane on Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? Yeah, 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 that's him. Like he was throwing them in prison. Hey, and hasn't he come to Damascus to do the same thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Like something's happened and he, he's just talking about Jesus. And, and now he's saying like, he loves Jesus. Wow. There's this amazement in response to the gospel. And then we see this other reaction here found in verse 22. It says, but Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus. This word confounded, it means um, confused or like bewildered. And so you get this sense of, you ever know anybody who like can't hide their facial expressions? I picture the, the Jews are doing that. They're like, like what? This is so confusing. Like this is the guy who came here to help us persecute other Jesus followers. And now he's like, now he's like with them. Like we're confused about this. There's, there's gospel proclamation happening. There's people that are amazed. There's confusion. And then the, the last response we see here in verse 23, when many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. Um, I would call this hate. The Jews begin to hate Saul and the message he stands for. And what's so interesting about these Jews is these were his former friends. Uh, these were his former, like, co-workers. These were the people that he would sit in a room with and go like, okay, how are we going to get after the Jesus followers today? How are we going to persecute them today? How are we going to bring pain to their lives such that hopefully this Jesus movement ends? Like, these were his friends. And now the very people that Saul was friends with are the very ones plotting to kill and destroy Saul. Why have they turned on him? Because the brand new life can cause you to be pushed to the fringes where you were once on the inside. Your old life friends 
may begin to push you away because of your brand new life and your brand new message. And this is what happens to Saul. Four marks of the brand new life. We said you can't keep silent about Jesus. The second is this. You become an outsider where you were once an insider. Four marks of the brand new life. The second one is you become an outsider where you were once an insider. And it's interesting. We don't see Saul come up with a list of like five ways to live my brand new life. Uh, he, he doesn't, uh, he, he doesn't uh, just like come up with this big long list of, okay, things I'm going to change, things I'm going to start working on. It's just he's met with Jesus. Jesus has radically transformed his life. And now Saul's life and his message begin to change. God says this about, uh, about us. When we become uh, brand new in Christ in Philippians, it says that our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Like our citizenship, when, we, when we're made brand new in Jesus, we're no longer like, we no longer look at this world and go, this is my home. Now we look at heaven and go, that's my home. I'm just kind of a stranger here in this world. First Peter 2 says it this way, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. Part of the brand new life is now like heaven is our home and this world is not anymore. We're just like foreigners. We're exiles here. And so there starts to be this thing that happens with people that I was once on the inside with. Like my desires, the things I say, the things I do begin to look different than maybe my old life friends. I'm radically reoriented to the way I see myself, the way I see others, the way I see the world around me. And as this happens, my life begins to change. Like we said, our desires begin to change. Maybe the things I once desire, success and, and power and pleasure and wealth and fill in the blank, I, I start to desire those things less and instead I have these weird desires. Jesus says of his followers, hey, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. That's weird to the world. I don't know if you know, we live in a world that says like, hey, whatever you want, you go get. Like be true to yourself, man. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. That's weird to the world. What about the desire, Jesus says, to um, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you? What? That's weird. I don't know many people in the world that are going like, hey, show me my enemies and I just want to love on them. That's weird. These desires in the brand new life, they begin to change and they look different from our old life friends. And not just my desires, but the things that I say are different than, than what my old life friends say. The things that I do, the way that I live my life, the way that I behave, it starts to look different than my old life friends. And then on top of all this, we have this brand new message. We have this message of the good news of the gospel of Jesus. But for those apart from Jesus, the gospel message begins with something that's really offensive before it gets to like the good part. The offensive part is this. Hey, there's one way and only one way to God the Father, and it's through Jesus Christ. And what God the Father says about us is that apart from him, we're dead and defined by our sin. That doesn't preach well in the world. That's offensive. Now, praise God, the gospel message doesn't end there, but oftentimes, like, people can't get past that first part. And, and this, this brand new message starts to, like, our old friends start to go, hey, hey, hey uh, we're actually going to kind of push you away. And, and because of the things you desire and, and the things you're saying now and the things you're doing now, your old life friends start to go like, uh, 
yeah, you were once an, an insider here, but, but you're gonna, you may find that you start to become more and more of an outsider with those old life friends. A.W. Tozer says it this way, to be right with God has often meant to be in trouble with men. To be right with God has often meant to be in trouble with men. And this is what happens in the life of Saul. These former friends are now seeking to kill and destroy him. But I think it's important that we note uh, what Saul didn't do is go and, and, and remove himself from these people. He didn't go around them and say, hey, um, you guys are wrong, um, right, come to my side, and now it's me versus them. Instead, he's, it says he's still with them. And he's still proclaiming this gospel message and his life is beginning to change. And while it does, he's telling them, hey guys, I met Jesus. Like this Jesus that we hate, I met him and he's amazing and he loves you and he, he wants to forgive you. And, and this, like you've got to know him, he's better. He's better than all these old life things you're running after, he's better. And, and Saul is like proclaiming this message and as a result, his old life friends push him away. Saul doesn't run away, his friends begin to push him away. And for us, as we live this brand new life and we're around maybe old life friends, you may find, we may find that those friends begin to push us away because of our brand new life and because of our brand new message. Now, maybe some of you are in here and you're looking at your life and you're going like, honestly, if, if I was to be honest this morning, I don't really see much of a difference between my quote unquote brand new life and like my old life. I don't really see much of a difference between this brand new life and, and when I'm with my old life friends, I still like desire everything they do. I say all the same things. I do all the same things. Maybe you're in here, you're going like, I want to see more of this brand new life in my life. What do you do? Again, not to be overly simplistic, but I would tell you this morning, the main work you can focus on, the main thing you can do as you leave here is go be with Jesus. If you're looking at your life and you're going, man, it still looks like the old life, go be with Jesus. Sit in his word. Seek after him. Seek to know him. And too often in the church today, we get this backwards. And we say, hey, clean up your life first. And like, stop saying these things and start doing these things and definitely stop doing these things and, and begin to desire different things. And then once you do, then come to Jesus. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Come as you are and I will begin to change you as you walk with me, as you remain in me, as you sit in my word, as you seek me in prayer. He will transform us from the inside out. Church, let's not get this wrong anymore. We're done saying, hey, clean yourself up first and then come. Jesus says, come as you are, and then he will clean us up. By his grace, by his mercy, he will make us a new creation. I would tell us this morning, church, that the greatest work in all of Christianity is to devote our time and effort to be with Jesus. There's no greater work. Just like a tree planted and remaining in good soil, fruit will be produced. So our lives, as we remain in and stay planted in Jesus, we will see this brand new life begin to bear fruit in our life. And so Saul now begins to find himself an outsider where he was once an insider. He now finds himself being pushed to the fringes with people he used to look at and go like, these are my friends. But the beautiful thing is God doesn't leave him alone. We're going to see uh, God 
allows him to be pushed away from old life friends, but now he brings this brand new community and this brand new family into Saul's life. And so let's pick it up, verse 26 in Acts 9. It says this, When he, when Saul, had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen Jesus who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. And so he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied." And so we see Saul leaves Damascus. He flees from these people who are seeking to uh, kill and destroy him. And he goes to the city of Jerusalem. And when he arrives at Jerusalem, he says, okay, I got to go find these Jesus followers. And so he enters their midst and, and it says what? They're scared of him. Understandably so. This is the same Saul that killed one of their buddies, Stephen. This is the same Saul that was taking their friends, their family, and dragging them and throwing them into prison. I, like We'd be scared of Saul too. They're like, I don't know about this guy, but in steps Barnabas, and he goes like, hey, hey, Saul met Jesus, and his life has been transformed, and he was just in Damascus, and he couldn't stop talking about Jesus. He was just bold, and, and actually the Jews there, they wanted to kill him, and so he comes down here, and the, and the Jesus followers in Jerusalem go like, oh, wow, God has really done a work in his life, and, and Saul now finds this brand new community in these Jesus followers in Jerusalem. And what a beautiful picture we have here. Where Saul was once on the fringes, he's now accepted and loved. Where Saul was once a man who all the Jesus followers feared, he's now family. And this is what the gospel can do. It can take those who were once enemies and it can transform them into family. A beautiful picture of what the gospel does. And then we see this same cycle play itself out again in Saul's life. As he's bold to, to just proclaim Jesus, the Jews here in Jerusalem, uh, they hate him and they want to see him killed. So they start coming after him and then Saul flees to Caesarea and then Tarsus. And then in Acts uh, 9.31, we get this beautiful picture, this beautiful like summary statement of the church at large during that time. And Luke describes the church in this way. He says it's full of peace or another way to say it would be like the church is unified. The church is being built up or it's maturing. And then he finishes in, in Acts 9.31 by saying the church is multiplying. So you have all these brand new life people who have come together. And they now form this brand new community of Jesus followers. You see, part of the brand new life is that you get to be part of a brand new community. Because the brand new life is not just a me thing. And, and too often in the church, I think we just focus on me and Jesus, me and Jesus, me and Jesus. And that's good. There should be an aspect of our walk with Christ that's me and Jesus. But, but it, this brand new life transforms us from just me and Jesus to now it's us and Jesus. And we're this family. We're a messy family, but we're a family nonetheless. And now it's us and Jesus. And we're running together hard after him. You get this beautiful picture here of this brand new community. Four marks of the brand new life. The third one is this. You're participating in a unified, maturing, and multiplying Jesus community. Four marks of the brand new life. The third is you're participating in a unified, maturing, and multiplying Jesus community. Now, 
we need to talk about this community a little bit. This is what we, in today's world, call the church. And the reality is, for some of us in this room, as we talk about church, as we talk about church people, the last three words that come to your mind are the three words you see on the page in front of you. You don't think like, man, when I think of church, I think of unified, multiplying, and maturing people. Some of you may go like, I've been wounded and hurt the most by quote-unquote church people. Some of the words maybe that come to mind, maybe you think like hypocrites, angry, judgmental. I mean, we could go on and on down the list. The reality is any group of people can gather inside a building and slap church on the sign. But it doesn't make it a healthy or a good church. I think of it like this. Um, Oftentimes, I'll go grocery shopping for my wife, and she'll give me a list of things to get. And so I'll get those things, but then she gives me a hard time because she says, you always get a few extra things. And the things that I usually get are not what you would find on the list of, like, things to a thriving diet and beautiful body. (laughs) I get, like, double stuffed Oreos and um, things that, that she would rather not have in the house. And so I love cereal. Uh, it's kind of like my nightly snack before I go to sleep. And so uh, I was walking through the cereal, cereal aisle, and I saw one of my favorites, Apple Jacks. Any Apple Jacks fans in the house? Yes. So it was on sale. So I'm like, I got to get it. So I come home, walk through the door. I'm holding my box of Apple Jacks. She goes like, what are you doing? Like, why'd you bring that in here? They're like, why not? It was on sale. They're so good. So I walk in, and, and she says, well, we can't have those in the house. They're not healthy. I'm like, What? Okay, let's talk about this for a second. First of all, what's in the name? Apple Jacks. Like, it's got to be healthy, man. I call this a fruit. <laughs> but then number two, you guys can't see this, but on the box, it says, good source of fiber and made with whole grain. I'm like, mic drop, baby. This is good for me. Come on. <laughs> the reality is none of us would go like, hey, if you, wanna, if you want a healthy body, just like pump your body full of Apple Jacks. We know that. The box claims it's healthy, but we know that's not good. And yet I think often in the church world, it can be so hard to navigate. Like, what is a healthy and good church and what's not? Like, they all say church on the sign, but, but how do we know? How do we know? I want to look at the, the um, point that we just made. We're going to break down a little bit this, this uh, unity, maturing, and multiplying. We're going to call this three characteristics of a healthy Jesus community. And so the first one we want to talk about is unified. A healthy Jesus community is unified. How are they unified? By the authority of God's word and the gospel of God's son. A healthy Jesus community is unified by the authority of God's word. So so a healthy Jesus community just like holds this up and goes, we submit to the word of God because we believe these are actually the words of God. We don't submit to any man in this room. We submit to this book and we're unified around that. And like what it says, we're gonna try to live that way and do those things and say those things and believe those things. We're unified around the authority of this. And then the second thing, we're unified around the gospel of God's son. We're unified around the gospel of God's son, this good news message that Jesus has told us. We are forgiven, we're free from our past life, and we have been made whole and made right. And there's unity that comes through the gospel of Jesus. We're unified by the authority of God's word and the gospel of God's son. The second thing, three characteristics of a healthy Jesus community, we're maturing. Maturing how? By submitting to and walking with God and one another. Submitting to and walking with God and one another. Not perfect. Look at your neighbor and say, not perfect. 
Look at the person sitting next to you and say it again. Not perfect. Because here's what often happens in church world. We know this. Like we know that the people in this room, none of us are perfect. But yet I think there's still often something inside of us that thinks and believes, I know you're not perfect, but I want you to be perfect. And when you're not, I'm going to be really disappointed in you. The reality is, If you're looking for a perfect church with perfect people, you won't find it here, and I hate to break it to you, you won't find it anywhere. We're a group of imperfect people. There is one perfect one in our midst, and his name is Jesus. And we submit to and we walk with Jesus. As imperfect people, as people who are growing in their walk with Christ, as people who are going like, we're still trying to figure this out. I fail daily, I fail constantly, but I'm still, I'm, I'm looking to walk with and submit to Jesus. And then as we do that, we're looking to walk with and submit to each other. And as we do, we're going to see maturity start to, not perfection, but growth and maturity in a Jesus community. Three characteristics of a healthy Jesus community. We're unified, maturing, and then lastly, multiplying. How are we multiplying? By living out the great commission call of making disciples. Three characteristics of a healthy Jesus community were multiplying by living out the great commission call of making disciples. J.D. Greer says it this way. He says, the church is not an audience to be entertained. It is an army to be empowered. The large crowd will not change the world. The mobilized force of spirit-filled believers will. A healthy Jesus community is full of people who go like, Hey, the Spirit lives inside me. I see that God has called me to be part of the fulfillment of the Great Commission. And so, like, I'm going to start to try to live that way. Again, not perfectly, but, like, we're going to seek to go make disciples. We're going to seek to be bold in our faith. We're going to seek to find other Jesus followers and go, hey, I want to, I like, come alongside of you. And, and we're going to walk this, like, relationship with Jesus together. And as we do, we're going to find other people who don't know Jesus. And we're going to go talk to them. And this is what a healthy Jesus community looks like. Unified by the authority of God's word and the gospel of God's son. Maturing by submitting to and walking with God and one another. And multiplying by living out the great commission call of making disciples. When we all as participators of this Jesus community begin to live this way, the Jesus community at large, the church will be unified, maturing, and multiplying. And so I think the question we have to ask is, okay, these things are all great. But like, how do we live this way? And I think for all of us in this room, we would go like, I want Harvest to be this way. I think you want Harvest to be this way. We want to be part of a church that's unified. We want to be part of a church that's maturing and growing. And we want to be part of a church that is multiplying. We're seeing more and more disciples made for Jesus Christ. Like, how? How does this happen? The answer is found tucked away here in verse 31 in a little phrase. And so, again, back to your Bibles, Acts 9, verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And here it is, walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. How do we live this brand new life? How do we become a church that's unified, we're maturing, we're multiplying? It's the the fourth characteristic, the fourth mark of the brand new life. You're walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. You're walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And this is an amazing 
phrase, but I think we have to do a little bit of work to try to understand this. Like, what does it mean to walk in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit? Because these two things seem like they're opposite, right? Fear and comfort don't often go hand in hand. And so uh, I'm going to read a, a quote from someone who does just a phenomenal job of defining this in, in a way that um, is way better than how I could ever define it. And so what do we mean by walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit? Listen to this. The world is shaking with fear. The world is asking these questions like, what will become of us? Where will it all end? What if Russia? What if North Korea? What if politics? What if cancer? What if sickness? What if death? What if, what if, what if, what if? And we live in fear, this constant fear of the what ifs. The world is shaking with fear. But listen to this. The love of God has wrapped us around from before the foundations of the world. If we fear him. What do we mean by that? If we are brought to our knees before him, if we're filled with reverence and we worship him in absolute assurance of his sovereignty, we cannot possibly be afraid of anything else. To fear God is to destroy all other fear. To fear the world To love the world is to be afraid of everything, what it may think of me, what it may do to me, what may happen to me today or tomorrow for which I'm not prepared. But Psalm 27 says, the Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? So this fear of the Lord, like living in awe, living in reverence of who he is and what he's done and this God that we could never in a million lifetimes fully comprehend. When we live in awe and fear of this God, it drives out all other earthly fears. And guess what we have? Comfort. Because we know, I don't care what the world does to me. It doesn't matter what happens the rest of today. It doesn't matter what happens tomorrow because God's got this and his plan is better. His ways are higher and I'm, I'm living in awe of him. Walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the spirit. Now again, I think we need to ask as we see this, like how do we, like this sounds great, but how do we do that? How do we grow in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit? It's what we've said all morning. How do we do this? Go be with Jesus. How do you come to know more and more of the, the like awesome God that he is? Go be with Jesus. See, the reality is this. The power to live for Jesus comes from being with Jesus. The power to live this brand new life for Jesus comes from being with Jesus. To, like sitting at his feet with his word, sitting at his feet, praying to him, com- like communicating with him, getting around other Jesus followers who are doing the same. And, and as we do this, we'll begin to see more and more of the fear of God in our life. And as the fear of God drives out all these other fears, we're gonna have comfort in the world no matter what happens. As we close, I think about it this way. I think oftentimes what happens in our brand new life is this. We know that that God has called us to some amazing things in our brand new life. One of the things he says about us is that we are the light of the world. So like the reality is as brand new life people, our lives ought to like shine forth the gospel. And typically what we do then is go like, okay, 
I know I'm supposed to be a bright light, so I'm going to try really hard to, to live this way. I'm going to try really hard not to do these things, and I'm going to not say these things and say these things, and I'm going to behave in certain ways, and I'm going to go share the gospel, and, and, and I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing. But all the while, we just feel like I wouldn't characterize my life as a light shining brightly for Jesus. I think oftentimes we can grow discouraged in our, in our efforts to live this brand new life. And the reality of what we do oftentimes is we attempt to shine bright a light without ever plugging it into the source of the light. And in the same way, we in our walk with Jesus often go, I can do this, I can do this, but we do it apart from the strength of Jesus in our life and it wears us down and wears us out. The greatest work that you and I can commit to today the greatest work that you and I can commit to this week is remain in Jesus. Remain in Jesus. And as you do, the whole light thing, the whole brand new life thing, that will begin to happen. But don't disconnect from the source of the light. Don't disconnect from the source of the power. Remain in Jesus. And so as we close this morning, I just encourage you to take a few minutes. We're going to sing a song. We're going to use it as a time. Uh, you can sing if you want. Just use it as a time to pray. But I encourage us, like, let's just be with Jesus. If you want to get your Bible open and just read some scripture, if you just want to get on your knees, if you want to stay in your chair, but just, like, we're going to seek the Lord in prayer. We're going to seek the Lord in his word. Because the greatest work we can commit ourselves to this week as we leave here is be with Jesus, and he will transform us from the inside out. And so let's pray, and then let's take a few minutes as we close to be with Jesus. Father, thank you so much for this morning. God, we thank you for your word and like the explosive power that your spirit has in our life as we begin to see more and more of the goodness of who you are and um, the ways that you've transformed our life. And um, we see your power, we see your glory, we see your grace. And, and God, as we understand those things more as we behold those things more God I, I pray that you would transform us from the inside out and that God we would be a church full of people who are deeply committed to just being with you like not checking the box not this legalistic I'm going to try really hard to do these things but instead God would our lives just be an overflow of being in your presence and being with you and being in your word and being in prayer um, God do that in us let us be people, let us be a church who's deeply committed to walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Spirit. And as we do, God, more of that brand new life just flows out of us. And so be honored, be glorified now as we just spend a few minutes just being with you in prayer, in song, and worship. And so be honored and glorified. Um, come be with us, we pray. In Jesus' awesome and matchless name, amen.